0: You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. You know, I had a discovery the other day. Uh, I, I should have bought them up, but I didn't. It's a discovery about my car keys. And um, I don't know if you have a car that has one of these keyless entry car keys that doesn't have the key that comes out anymore. Uh, I have, I have a, a little Mazda, and that has like a transitionary key, right? It's like one that, that hides away, but then you press the button and it pops out. It really wants to be a keyless entry car, but it's just not there yet. Um, it's in transition, uh, but then we have another car, and um, it has a keyless key, which is a totally like weird phrase, a keyless key. But I discovered something about my, my keyless key. I, uh, you see, for a long time, when I had a keyless key, I would always have an issue. If I went to the beach in the morning and want to go for a swim, what do you do with your electronic digital keyless key? Right, I'd, I'd have to turn into MacGyver in my car uh, on the outside, and I'm like stashing it inside a little. I'm lifting little things off of I'm unscrewing, and I'm hiding the key. And you know, because like if you go to the beach, chances are you're going to go through a number of cars just behind the driver's side like tire, immediately there's a key. Uh, If you ever need a quick getaway car for any any particular reason. Um, This is a go-to place. It's like if you get in, it's unlocked. It's definitely behind. That's what movies teach us, right? The keys, everybody hides their key under their like little sun flap. Nobody does that that I know of, but movies tend to tell us that that's how it happens. Anyway, I had this incredible discovery because someone showed me that this little button on my keyless key, if I pressed it, I could slide out a key. Some people knew this. I did not know this. I had no idea. I was completely oblivious to the fact that hiding inside the digital casing that wasn't allowed to get wet was an actual key that I could put in my pocket, go in the water, come out and unlock my car. It was this like mind-blowing uh, revelation of my keys that I had. And I don't know how much that's got to do with this morning, but it was stirring in me. I wanted to, wanted to share it. No, it does. I, I don't often waste your time with useless stories. Um, but the, the thing I, I think about that is that for, for many of us, we approach freedom in a similar way, right? Like we, we understand um, this, the, like we've got it, but, but we don't always recognize the fullness of what we've received. It's like, I didn't understand that what I received wasn't just a digital key. I received a digital key and a real key, and I could do more than just stand a long way away and unlock my car uh, with the hope that nobody got in my car while I was still walking towards it, right? Um, Actually, I woke up this morning, went outside to get in our our little car that I can take the keys to the beach with me, uh, and I I realized our car boot had been open all night, Um, just just it happens because I put the keys in my pocket and I bend down and I open the boot when I do that. Obviously sometime yesterday, while the car was in the driveway, I opened the boot, didn't realise, and noticed it this morning. So anyway, I say that because for many of us we understand freedom, but we don't fully understand the purpose for which we've been set free for. Uh, we understand there's this free from, and that's fantastic because there's areas of my life I don't like. And if I can get free from that, my life's going to be better. And, and somewhere along the line, we've, we, we, we've, we've probably unhelpfully kind of focused on that aspect of the message in, in the worldwide church. And, and so we've projected a Christianity that is, that is subtly uh, kind of saying, look, just get rid of the stuff you don't like and you'll get the great life that you want. Um, and it's not always the case, right? Because uh, we can be walking with Christ, and, and there can be difficulty, there can be trials, there can be tests, there can be things that are unexpected happening in our world. And, and even if we deal with aspects that may, may, perhaps we don't, we don't necessarily like, or the things that we recognize in Scripture, it says, well, that's sin, and we, so we start to deal with those, that the real purpose of our freedom is not just to get free to be more like what I want to be like. The the real purpose of freedom is different. And we're going to explore that a little bit this morning. You see, the purpose of freedom is to become like his son, to be recreated back into our original state as humanity, right? Our people in the image of God. That was how we were first created. We were created in his image. In his image, we were created. And and, and it began with Adam uh, made in the image of God, but that, that image was tarnished, it was lost through sin in the garden. And so what we needed was we needed a new Adam, we needed a new model, we needed, we needed a new firstborn of, of the new humanity. And one whose nature we could receive to become the new people that God had desired from the moment of creation. And now for those of us who have believed in Christ and confessed him as Lord, it says that we have been born again. And so through the cross and the resurrection, Jesus has become the firstborn of the new creation. And when we believe in him, we are adopted into his family. We are given a new nature. We have become, and we, we, we are a bit funny with this term, but the, the scriptures don't lie when they say we have become siblings with Christ. We are brothers and sisters of Christ. could we have received his nature? In the same way that Adam was was breathed into with the, the very image, character, glory of God, to live in the image of God, Jesus, the second Adam, walked on earth with the very nature of God, died, was buried, rose again, and now says, believe in me, and I will implant that new nature in you. You are a new creation. You are born again, and we are born again with a new nature within us, which aligns us once again with the image of God. One of God's new people with the purpose of allowing that new nature to come from within us as the Holy Spirit helps transform us into his likeness from the inside out. And he does this until we live and we love like Jesus, who is the glory of God. His glory is His character, it's His power, it's His authority, and it's it's all of that being expressed. It's seen in the fullness of Jesus because it was given to Him. Now implanted in the seed form of new nature within us, seen through us as we allow ourselves to be conformed to His image, thus expressing that very same glory. there's a whole lot of tensions that we read about in Scripture. One of the main tensions that we live in on on planet Earth as as living, breathing human beings is this idea of the now and the not yet, the idea of the fullness but the seed, right? The kingdom of God being in fullness yet existing as a seed. The, The idea that we are fully saved yet being saved. And so this relates to this new nature within us. We have received it in fullness but yet in seed form. Uh, And so to experience the fullness of which we have already received it, we must water and and, and grow the seed of it that is within us. It's just a tension we live in, and we have to understand that we're not always going to have every answer to give every person all the time from Scripture. Scripture is a mystery. But what we do understand is that we live with the capacity to express it in its fullness And yet there's many areas of it that it is still in in, in expression in seed form within us. And I I kind of say all of that to set a platform to ask, why is it then, if if we have received this new nature, if it's within us, if we have the Holy Spirit to help work it out of us, if we are being transformed, if all of this is, is at work, why do we seem to struggle to walk in the fullness of the freedom that has been purchased for us? I'd like to propose that it's because in many areas of our life currently under transformation we get stuck uh, or we stop at one of a couple of doorways in our journey. You see, it's okay that we can be at different degrees of transformation in different areas of our life. And often the process of transformation will cause us to walk through particular doors kind of time and time again. And, and if we don't understand the process of which God works, we think we're not getting anywhere, uh, when the reality is we are totally being transformed in the process. And we often think that this journey of transformation, we've, we've learned over the years, freedom is not a, not a moment, it's a process, and we're okay with that, and we're like, cool, I get that it's a process, but what we immediately think, because a lot of our processes in life are linear, we think that the process of transformation is linear, that if I walk and I deal with this aspect, and then this aspect, and then this aspect, I'll end up over here. But that's not really the case. The case is that the process of freedom is far more like a spiral. And you, can, you can think of it as a spiral up or a spiral down. It doesn't really matter. Um, but, but often what we find is that because it's a spiral, we are going around through these same doors. But every time we do, what we find is that God is outworking our freedom either at a deeper level or helping us to see our freedom from a higher altitude or a higher perspective, right? And so, and so transformation is occurring every time we feel like we're going around and around. The truth is God is doing something at a deeper level. He's getting further to the root of, of the old nature and, 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 and allowing that new nature that is within us to permeate to that depth of our being. We just need to trust Him. We just need to trust Him. Like, I don't know about you, but how hard is it, just, to, just that simple idea of trusting God, how hard is it to apply in the areas in which I feel like I'm failing? You can leave me hanging up here, that's all right. Or we could be a really real church and acknowledge, hey, I absolutely know what that's like. Amen. You can talk back this morning, that's all right. We're going we're gonna to go through these doors. We're going to talk about these doors this morning, because I think if we, can, if we can highlight the door, perhaps we can recognize if that's the one that we're stuck at if that's the one that we're stuck at. So door number one this morning is receive. Door number one is to receive. Some of us have areas in our lives in which we're not seeing freedom because we have not received and applied the truth of God's gift. And so I've prepared this for you this morning in the hope that this visual will remind you that at any point in time in your walk, whether it's a day-to-day or a month-to-month, whatever it is, you have the capacity at any point in time to apply this gift to your life. Um, And to to be entirely honest with you, I find myself doing it time and time again. I'll have a, I'll, for a day, I'll be stuck in a funky thought pattern. I'll be spiraling around. I'm a renumerator, so, so I, I process a lot in my thinking. I'll go around and around and around and around, and what started out with like I got stung by something ends up with me, me having the, the world is in the apocalypse or something. That's how my mind works. Um, but I have found that what I have to do in those moments is to take the gift that I've been given and just apply it. I actually just need to get the scripture that says, Nate, you're a new creation. And I just need to actually tell myself, Nate, you're a new creation. You're a new cre- you've actually you have actually been born again. That happened a little while ago now. You actually don't need to do that again. You need to apply the truth of what is. You have a new nature. And this is a self-talk that I genuinely have in my head to myself, Nate, I, I, like shut up, stop those thoughts. Sorry if that offends you. I tell myself that. You're a new creation you actually have a new nature right now that 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 what what is going on in your mind is connected to an old nature that has died it has no life in it sort yourself out you're a new creation right and and sometimes we just need to receive the gift we just need to go god's given me this he paid the price he's given it to me and it's cool in in romans 8 it says god knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. There's the purpose of freedom again, to conform to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he then gave them his glory. I don't know about you, but nowhere in that passage does it say that humanity went and took something or that we have to go and do something. It simply says, we have a gift. Would you like to open it? Would you like to apply it? And so on here, we have have that we were chosen, that we were called, that we have right standing, and we've been given his glory. This is all a gift to you from God through Christ on the cross, and all we have to do is actually accept it, which sometimes for ourselves is the most difficult thing. It's like, but I know myself so well. I, I I struggle to believe I've been given the glory of God. Why? Because I know myself. <laughs> because I know my old nature sometimes more than I believe I have the new nature. And so we get stuck because we don't apply truth, we listen to fact. We don't apply truth, we listen to feelings. We don't apply truth, we let circumstance speak louder than Scripture, right? We don't apply truth because, well, I don't feel like I'm glorified, I don't feel like I'm sanctified, I don't feel like I'm justified, I feel like I'm in like a gospel church right now. I should have I got, got Will to come up, I said to Rachel, I'd get Will to come up and play some gospel chords for me, but I totally didn't. Anyway, maybe another day. We hold unknowingly and unintentionally to a lie in our thinking. Sometimes we don't even realize our own thinking is lying to us, but we believe it, that we are something. We believe we're like this, or we believe we're like that, and we are telling ourselves that that is my nature. We may not use that language, but when the truth, what we don't do is take the truth, which says you've been born again, you have a new nature, you... And we don't apply it. And so the first step is receiving. The first door is receiving. He says, you should consider yourself, in Romans six eleven dead to sin. That's how you should consider yourself. When you think that sin has a hold on you, get that scripture and go, hang on, I'm supposed to consider myself dead to that. That's supposed to be how I see myself. I'm supposed to see myself able to live for the glory of God. I don't know about you, but I often don't see myself with the ability to live for the glory of God. I see myself as myself. Do you consider yourself able to live free so God's glory can be seen? Because he has done everything required so that you can and you just need to receive the gift. So door number one is receive. Door number two is conform. And let's be honest in our humanity, conform is a little bit like swearing. It's a li- that word is a little bit like, I don't know if we're allowed to say that in today's day and age. Because we've been told that, that we can be whatever we want. That, that, that we can, whatever we feel, well that's just who we are. And we have have undermined the authority of truth by making truth relative. And so we go around, we're like, well, that's cool, that's your truth, but my truth is this. That actually, it it totally dismantles the idea of truth, um, okay? Because truth is only truth if it's truth, not from a perspective or a relative space, okay? Truth is either truth or it just isn't. So there is no such thing as my truth and your truth because then they're against each other and therefore it's not truth. All right. Um, but some of us have areas that we know we have the new nature. And this is probably the space I relate to most. Um, and so we feel free, okay, because we're good at, good at applying, we're good at receiving. So we're like, yep, cool, I see that I'm free. But we're not stepping into this freedom because, frankly, we don't want to. Can we be real this morning? Can we have a real church here this morning? Would that be all right? I'm just laying myself on, on the altar. Something within us doesn't actually want to conform to Christ. Something within us doesn't want to do that. We want to be our own person. I want to be me. I like me. I actually like aspects of me that probably are not in line with the scriptural being that I should be. And and truth be told, I think that aspect holds me back from from stepping into more freedom than I would like to believe. You see, I like being bitter sometimes. I feel real justified sometimes. Sometimes I really want to have a pity party. (laughs) As a melancholic personality, I love a good wallow. I'll tell you, I can wallow for a week. My wife will back that up. Sometimes they don't deserve forgiveness. I don't want to be like Jesus towards that person. They hurt me. And I feel quite justified. I don't want to be merciful. I want revenge. Particularly when they cut in front of me in traffic. (laughs) Particularly when they speed past me and change lanes. I'm like, right, next lane change. You better watch out. I'm coming right back around. Don't you dare show your speedy prowess over me. I'm better than that. Right? I don't want to let it go. I want to hang on to things. I don't know about you, but I want to hang on to things. My wife's far better at forgiving and forgetting than I am. I like to hang on. I don't want to be generous sometimes, and I don't want to go the extra mile sometimes. And I want to be envious and jealous because it feels good. Some of you are real worried about your pastor right now. Sometimes I walk around with a what about me attitude. And the Spirit is shouting, no, it's like rises, right? Like, I'm not going to sing it. It's all right. And I'm like, it's not fair. It's not fair. And God's like, it's right. It's not. Life's not fair. You know, my mom gave me a birthday card on my 18th birthday. She said, Nate, it's time for me to tell you some life truths. This is like a birthday card, right? I'm pretty sure she got happy birthday in there first, but I don't remember. I just remember reading truth number one, life's not fair. Life's not fair. And sometimes we disregard that when we when we come into our Christian walk and we believe, well, I'm a Christian now, so now life's going to be fair. No, life's not going to be fair. In fact, in Scripture, we see all sorts of things that aren't necessarily fair. But we see a God who's just. We see a God whose character doesn't change. And, and what we do is, is sometimes we... We allow our, our not fair circumstance to try to tell us that, well, then God's not fair. Rather than saying, no, no, truth tells me God doesn't change and he is just. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that into my circumstance rather than pushing my circumstance up onto God and changing him. I'm going to let truth change me in the circumstance. You see, the old Galatians 5, 17 says, the old sinful nature loves to do evil which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. I think until we're ready to get to a, a real place with God, where we're ready to acknowledge that, we still have these evil desires. They may not be connected to a life source anymore because our old nature has been crucified, but that doesn't mean that it's not still stuff like floating around in there. And if we're not ready to get to a place with God where we're like, you know what? I got some real evil desires, God. And, and right now, I don't, I don't want to do what the Holy Spirit's prompting me to do. Until our prayer life can sound a little bit like that, we, we hamstring ourselves from accessing the power that God's given us to move into the freedom that he's bought for us, right? Because, because it says here that, that these two forces are constantly fighting each other. And your choices are never free from this conflict. Every generation produces these awesome non-conformist subcultures, right? Like we want to rage against the establishment, like stick it to the man, I was talking to Pastor Keith about this earlier in the week. He's like, Yeah, we had the hippie movement. And I'm like, Yeah, that that would have been cool. Um, But but my generation, we have our own non conformist subcultures. Something about our humanity doesn't want to conform. We just don't want to do it. We don't want to be told, This is how you should be, this is how you should act. But the reality is the conformity to Christ, it's a choice. It's a choice. And it always has been. Ever since the Garden of Eden, there has been a choice. Ever since then, the beginning, the first human beings had the choice to conform, choice to come into obedience, choice to listen to the instruction of God, the, the nudging, choice to do that or choice to do what their sinful nature desired. Well, technically what the, tempting, the, the enemy tempted them into, all right? Um, but we live with that. Product of that nature now, now that we none of our choices are free from the battle, and so the truth is that conformity is a choice. And Romans six nine tells us that before you let yourselves be slaves of impurity and lawlessness, now you must choose to be slaves of righteousness, so that you will become holy. Sometimes I don't move into freedom because I choose to stay in the nature that has me bound up. and I, I'm happy to wear that, but if that applies to you too, let it sit. The journey of maturity in Christ sometimes is a choice to not do what we want, to not do what our nature is craving, to not do what, what, what is, is in us, but to surrender. And often the choice is a choice of surrender. And I do fundamentally believe that this is where our relationship with God gets real. This is where if we don't have the revelation of our right standing from the gift of God, we limit ourselves from being able to bring that very real struggle to God because we feel disqualified and locked out of his presence. We feel like because we have this nature still, or maybe we shouldn't, but because we do, because we don't realize we've been given right standing and at any time we can boldly walk into his throne room, we hold back. And our prayers pretend that we don't have this nature and our prayers pretend that we're not struggling rather than recognizing that God already knows and if we were just able to recognize that He is not gonna turn us away, he is not gonna be shocked, he's not gonna expose, he's not gonna shame. None of those things come from the throne room of God. No, He, he wants us to be able to be real so that he can empower us and stir up the desire that he's put in us and enable us to live in the freedom that he purchased. We to understand that we have His grace, that we are free, and that He has removed our sin as far as the east is from the, le- the as far as the east is from the west. Even if it was five minutes ago, it's removed from us. It's removed from us. This is where any essence of religiosity must leave our approach to God, because it rubs up against our reality. We must learn to pray prayers that sound like this. God, I don't want to forgive them, but I I know you sent me free to express your glory. Help me to want to forgive. Help me to choose the desires of my new nature. You know, we talk about being a church that's authentic, but if our prayers don't start with an acknowledgement that, God, I have really got this stuff going on. And we limit the place in which God can actually begin to work within us. And then the last door we walk through is this door called express. We express, or you could say we reflect, that which we conform into. Whatever we are conforming into on the inside of us comes out and is expressed in our behavior and our actions. This is why the process of the Spirit is changing us from the inside out. There is an internal conformity before there is an external uh, kind of following. And we conform to that which we choose to gaze at. Seeing a reflection is actually a byproduct of gazing at a mirror. If you stand in front of of a mirror, uh, when you look at it, you see the reflection. That that reflected image is a byproduct of looking at it. it. It's just the way things work. Some of us feel stuck, but really, we've just stopped gazing into the right mirror. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, the reality is is that we live in a world with two mirrors. We, as, as, as Christians, if we've accepted Christ, we now live in a world that has two mirrors. We have the mirror of the world and we have the mirror of the word and whichever one we choose to gaze into will be the one in which we can fall most toward James 1 23 to 25 says for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he is But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, I love that phrase, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, this one will be blessed. Some of us stop short of expressing because we stopped gazing into the perfect law of liberty. We begin to to allow our eyes ever so slowly to be recaptured by the mirror of the world. I tell you, this is, this is all of us, we do it. It's, it's, it's our human nature at times. And we have these areas where we used to feel like we were far more free than maybe we feel right now. And we were walking in great elements of freedom. It was like, yes, this thing is far behind me. But recently it seems like we're further and further away than ever. And maybe, just maybe we've been gazing into the mirror of the current cultural worldview and allowing it to shape our thoughts. We've been slowly conforming to this world conforming to the way it thinks the way it processes the way it feels the way it tells us things should be and and we should be And, and because we've been gazing at it for so long we're slowly conforming to it rather than bringing our surrender back to Christ and to the mirror of the word and allowing our minds to be renewed you see we'll only express that which is an established mindset We'll only do what is a functional thought pattern in our minds. We cannot function contrary to our thoughts and subconscious positions. That's why Paul highlights the areas of transformation is rooted in our thinking, which is fueled by the mirrors in which we gaze and the truth which we actively seek to apply. Galatians 5.13 says this, For you have been called to live in freedom. Just because we've been called doesn't mean that we will because there is choice. But it says that we're not free to satisfy our sinful nature. We don't just get free to then do what we want. We're just going to get free to be who we want to be, whatever that feels like in any given day. No, no, no. We're free to serve one another in love. We're free to become like Jesus. We're free so that we can be changed, so that, so that each day... We look a little bit more like Jesus did in His nature, in His character, in how it's expressed. Our journey is not just freedom for our sake. Our journey of freedom is for conformity. So So that over time, there begins to be a whole lot of people just like Jesus out in the world. I'm sure as I began this, many of us are in many different areas of of freedom in different areas of our life. But I fundamentally believe that that the, the main step in each of those doors is a surrender. It's a surrender. And the team's gonna lead us in a song, and I'm gonna I'm gonna head over to Northwest, but I'm gonna ask you to respond this morning. If you feel in your heart that you need to surrender an aspect of your life again to Christ, you recognize Maybe you're like, I don't want to conform in that area and I need to surrender that, God. I just need to be real with you. I got this thing and I really like it, but I know it's not part of Jesus. And I, I need to lay that down. I need to be honest with you. I need to be real with you and know that you're not going to be exposed or ashamed by God. He's gonna, he's just going to hold you in His arms. Or maybe maybe you know you've, been just, you've just been gazing too much in the mirror of the world, and the things you watch and hear and look at or, or, or just, just begin to allow to to tell you how to think. And you're like, I need to lay that down. I need to surrender again. I need to say, God, I need to come back to your word. I need to gaze into the perfect law of liberty. I need to let your word shape how I think. I need to let your word shape what my responses should be, how I should act. And so I need that. And I need to surrender again this morning. So can we stand, church, right across this place? And as the team plays, I would love to open up front down here as a a tangible place of surrender, as a tangible place where you can come and just go, God, I'm coming as an act of surrender. I'm coming here this morning, right now. I'm going to lay this down. I'm going to surrender before you. I want to make it real and tangible. So don't, don't stay in your seats this morning. If you feel like this is speaking to you, why don't you move quickly and surrender that thing to Jesus. Amen.